in a world where we teach girls to shrink themselves and make themselves smaller, in a world where we say to girls, you can have ambition, but not too much. You should aim to be successful, but not too successful. Otherwise, you would threaten the man. In a world where we applaud boys for bravery and success and applaud women for beauty and sex appeal, it is dangerous to use scripture to justify the mistreatment of another person. In a world where female children are still being killed because boys bring promise and girls bring burdens. I find myself feeling lonely in the fight for feminism. Whereas in the fight for racism, there's support. People understand it. People get it. But as soon as sexism is brought up, it's a lonely fight. It's a single battle. We constantly have to justify why we are fighting for the rights of women. And I find that alone to be problematic. Good day, good people. It is your girl, Alma Acop, a.k.a. A Voice to be Reckoned With, coming at you live on the 50th day of lockdown in South Africa. Um, today, we're going to be talking about a topic that is very dear to my heart. It is a very sensitive one. It's taken me a very long time to put this together to come and talk to you guys about it. And um, in no ways am I saying that my points are final. In no ways am I claiming to know the truth. In no ways am I claiming that this is the absolute and this is what it is. Neither am I trying to answer anyone's questions. This is just my truth. And so take it as you may with a cup of sugar, with a pinch of salt. <laughs> no one says cup of sugar. With a pinch of salt. So before we go any further, the topic that we are going to be discussing is, is Christianity and feminism mutually exclusive? And why I believe I am first Christian, second feminist. And so with that in mind, I can't go any further without recognizing the reason why I am alive, which is God. And actually covering the session in prayer because it, like I said, is a very very um, sensitive um, issue and I want to start off on the right footing so let us pray father God in heaven we just thank you Lord that we are alive at this time we thank you that we can come before your throne we thank you that because we are alive it is not by mistake it is not a coincidence but we have a purpose to be alive and as we are about to dive into this topic, Lord, I pray that you will go before me and you will make a path, Lord. If this is supposed to be heard by people, it will be. And if it's not, it won't. So I pray that you just guide me in everything that I say, Lord. Um, I invite the Holy Spirit as I talk. And like I said, if this is supposed to be heard, let it be heard. Um, let it not be stopped by any borders. And if it is not supposed to be heard, then Lord, I pray that it isn't. And that you will work in a miraculous and wonderful way because all things work for the good of those who trust the Lord in me. Thank you. In your name, amen. Ooh, I was about to go into a preach there. Come on, Shamboi. Okay. <sighs> so before I start, I'd just like to give you some statistics. Because we can't talk about feminism unless we define feminism. Now, by the end of today, three... 33,000 girls will become child brides. 30% of women will be sexually abused in their relationships or have been sexually abused in their relationships. 
one in three women in South Africa will be raped, have been raped, are likely to be raped. Half a billion women can't read. In 104 countries, women are not allowed to work certain jobs. And women are still being paid less for doing the exact same job as men. Those are realities. That's what's happening right now. It's not a far-fetched future. It's not something that was pulled out of a hat. Those are actual statistics. And so the definition of feminism is the advocacy of women's rights on the grounds of the equality of sexes. And now it would occur to me immediately that the religion that I follow, which is Christianity, which believes in judgment and believes in equality, would outright and completely, you know, support this movement. And then straight off the bat, I have people tell me that, why are you feminist? With that, I respond, the reason why there is a Black Lives Matter movement is because black people are being targeted in America via police brutality and being murdered and massacred for doing absolutely nothing. In the same way that, yes, we understand that men go through struggles, but women have it worse. And the feminist movement is about advocating for the rights of women, making sure that women are educated, making sure that women have the same opportunities as men. And for this movement to be reduced to whether a woman should cook or clean in her house is not only degrading, but it's like a spit in the face. Like we are really out here fighting for women to have the ability to work, earn an income, or women to have the ability to go to school, get an education. And yet you're reducing that with using a religion to say that women are here to cook and clean. And that's just something that I found very hard to swallow. And which is why I decided to go on a journey with this topic. And so the rise of feminism, as Miles Monroe best describes it, started off when men went off to war and women stayed at home. And then they needed women to work in the factories to create bullets and things for the war because all the men had left. Now, when the men returned, they realized that their wives were no longer at home, but they were working. They were earning an income, they were making something of themselves. And so because man had defined himself by the ability to provide, the ability to protect, and the ability to like cover, provide some sort of safety and security, they realized that the ability to provide was now with the woman. <laughs> they weren't bringing the bacon home anymore as men because, well, the women owned the pigs. Safety, women had learned how to defend themselves. And security, women were owning property. And so the one thing that they realized they did have was physical strength. And thus was the rise of domestic violence because they realized that the only way to put their women in place or the only way to be a man was by putting their foot down and being physical. And so we realized that roles were confused with purpose. Society redefined what the role of a man and a woman were. Society redefined what the definition of a man and a woman were. And the truth is that women or men were not created by man. And so it's important that we go back to the biblical definition of what a man and what a woman are, and not what has been redefined by society and what keeps being redefined. And it's unfortunate because women now don't know why we were created. We lack purpose, not all of us, but some of us lack purpose, and so we try and find it 
and society's definitions. And that's what's led us to where we are. Now in Galatians, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Straight away, this got me thinking, if he created male and female in his image, why is it that people tend to believe that women are less than man? And the reason why I'm delving in this topic is because in Isaiah 1.17, it says, Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's case. But I want to specifically focus on the fact that it says, Seek justice and correct oppression. So I'm not speaking out of line. I have gone to the Bible and seen that correcting oppression is something that we were called to do. Now, in the beginning, Eve was created. When she was created, God called her a helper. And I believe that this word has been used in the wrong context for such a long time. And it is important we understand that the Bible, in its English translation, has been translated over and over again many times. And thus, some words have been lost in translation. And so the original word that was used to describe Eve is Aza, spelled E-Z-E-R. Now, Aza is used in the Bible 21 times in the Old Testament, two times to describe Eve, three times to describe people helping in a life-threatening situation, and 16 times to reference God as a helper. Now, life-threatening situation included in those are the times where Ezra is used to describe a military ally. It's used as a rescue. And so if Eve is described as a military ally to Adam, as a rescue to Adam, as a word that was used to describe God, the all-knowing, all-powerful, King of kings, Lord of lords, the reason why we are alive and the reason why the world is, you know, a world, then who, please help me understand, who decided to turn helper into subordinate? Who decided to turn helper into slave? Because that is the root of the problem. And so I am here to tell you today, women, you are not subordinates, you are not slaves, you are not less than, you are a military ally, you are a warrior, you are a rescuer, you are so much more than what they're trying to tell you. And so we move on to the second verse of the Bible. Now our faith is rooted in the fact that Jesus resurrected, that there was a resurrection. Unlike with other gods and other things that people claim, Jesus died and rose again. And so I ask myself, at the point of resurrection, it says in Mark 16, verse 9, that after his resurrection, Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene. And we need to understand that God trusted to leave the future of the world in the hands of a woman by revealing himself first to her and asking her to spread the good news. For a woman to be left with such responsibility, God needed to know the importance of woman. Could have appeared to anyone, guys. He really could have appeared to any one of the other disciples, but he appeared to a woman. And if that alone doesn't encourage you that you are worthy and that you are important and that you play a vital role in creation, in the world, in the establishment, in us being here, then I hope this does. We must also remember that our life here on earth is just a smidgen 
of everlasting life and that when we eventually go into the spirit world, there is no gender. And so these issues that we are dealing with are taking place because we are currently on earth. And once we get up there, we're all the same. <laughs> but I want to quickly touch on submission, which is one of those words that is like, oh, red flag, red flag. Um, and it's been used in just the worst way possible. Um, with the West African background that I have, guys, submission, when it is implemented in some African homes, it's slavery. It's the fact that you cannot speak when your man is speaking. You serve. I'm not saying if you want to do this, another thing. You Let me just put up a very big um, disclaimer, right? If you are a woman who loves to cook and clean and stay at home and serve her husband, that's good on you. I'm talking about those who are forced to do it out of obligation and not out of love. And in some homes, women are slaves because of this verse that speaks of submission. And one thing that we need to understand is that submission is derived from submit to a mission. Now, what is that mission? First of all, as a man, you are only a man once you have submitted yourself to God. And a woman can only submit to a man who has submitted himself to God. And so if you are standing and you have no God in you, you have not submitted yourself to God, you do not know God, it is impossible to submit to a godless man. Let's just get that out of the way, straight up. And so submitting to a mission, to love your wife as Christ loved the church, and submitting to the mission is submitting to the mission of the love of your man. Sacrificial love. The love that Jesus had to provide fish and bread for 5,000. The love where he was beaten and bruised. The love that he died on the cross. That is the love of the church. And that is the love that you should have to your wife. And so when you are all confident and wanting to say that you must submit to me, we ask ourselves, what are we submitting to? Are you worthy of being submitted to? Because I don't think men actually realize how much of a burden they carry. You guys are carrying a responsibility like no other. As in the love that the Lord had for the church was wild. And if you cannot love your woman like that, don't expect submission. Submission also means many different things to different people. Um, and I'll dig into the scripture right now. But from a society perspective, there's some women who just don't like cooking. At the same time, there's some men who love cooking. At the same time, there's women who love cooking. Submission is its out of love, guys. It shouldn't be out of obligation. It's something that should come so naturally. I, for one, love cooking. I can't wait to cook for my husband and kids. But then I'm cooking out of love. I'm not cooking because there's a law that says, oh, ye woman must cook. Oh, ye woman must feed me. <laughs> no. And one thing we must realize is, guys, um, Men love to run away from the fact that y'all are humans too and you need to cook for survival. I struggle with the concept of it's a woman's place to cook because there comes a time when after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples. He made a fire and he roasted fish and bread for them by the sea. And if Jesus could do that, then please tell me why, John, you have decided that you. And so what does the Bible say about the famous Proverbs 31 woman? It says that she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She is a provider. She provides for her family. 
And so it baffles me when statements are made that men are the sole providers. I don't know why you guys are taking up so much responsibility when in the Bible it states that she is a provider. It says she sees her trading as profitable. She makes money. She sets about her work vigorously. She helps the poor. She helps the needy. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Women, you are allowed to dress up and look beautiful. Men should not be able to tell you that you're supposed to be covered and hide your beauty for any reason. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. A woman can instruct. Not only that, her instructions are faithful. She has wisdom. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Idleness means to sit and do nothing. A woman is not created to sit and do nothing and wait, but rather she watches over the affairs of her household. Her children arise and call her blessed. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. This is the word of the Lord. This is what defines what a woman is. This is the Bible. This is the book that I believe in and I put my faith and trust in. And I will not allow society to tell me otherwise. In Proverbs 86, it says, you are gods. A friend of mine made me understand this recently, that when we say king of kings and lord of lords, we are those kings. We are the lords. And God is the king of kings. You know, he's the one and one of us many lords and kings. And so if Galatians is telling me that neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, and the Lord is telling me that you are all gods, then woman, you need to realize that you are a god. You are royalty. You are made in the image of Christ. Nothing can stand in your way. Do not be defined by society. Do not be told what you are or what you cannot be because you are capable of it all. Know who God says I am, what he says I am, where he says I'm at. I know who I am. I know who God says I am, what he says I am. Where he says I'm at, I know who I am. I'm walking in power. I'm working.